If you are a talented music professional, you most likely wear many hats to earn your income. So not only are you an expert teacher listening to the Full Voice podcast, but you perhaps are a performer or composer, arranger, music director, accompanist, choir section leader, conductor, Starbucks barista. I could go on all day because the list is endless. Today, my conversation with our friend and business expert Michelle Marquardt DeVoe is about multiple revenue streams. And no matter if you are just getting started or you have been there and done that more times than you can remember, I know you're going to find this episode extremely helpful, especially those of you who are struggling to find reliable and stable income sources, and most importantly, life balance. If you are setting yourself on fire to keep everybody warm, this episode is going to to change your life. I also want to mention that Michelle shares how our income streams change with significant life changes like pregnancy or moving to a new area or yes, even a pandemic. There are so many teacher takeaways in episode 159 of the Full Voice Podcast. Hello, welcome. Thank you for choosing the Full Voice Podcast. Uh, And well, welcome to the show, friend and colleague. I have an amazing episode. I have a wonderful conversation with our good friend, Michelle Marquardt DeVoe. We are talking about a very timely topic. uh, And um, I think this is going to be so helpful. And full disclosure, I wish... Someone had had this conversation with me, oh, I don't know, maybe two decades ago, I would have like, I would have not suffered as much. I would not have struggled as much as I had with fluctuating incomes and and really just understanding return on investment. I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil any more of the conversation, but I'm I'm so glad you're here and I know you're going to find this helpful. Without further adieu. Michelle Marquardt DeVoe. Welcome back. To the Full Voice Podcast, my friend, my colleague, my sister from another Mr. Michelle Marquardt DeVoe, who is dancing. My listeners can't see it, but she is dancing with the, you, have you got the gun, finger guns going there? <laughs> Michelle Marquardt DeVoe, how I'm are you? I'm pretending they're my tassels. <laughs> hello, hello, I'm wonderful today. How are you? How are you? How oh are you? Nice. I love that. Uh, I should probably tell my listeners that we've just talked for like an hour before hitting record and it was like always we could we could have I should just get you to log on and then I'll press record and we just talk about all the things and we'd have like five episodes back to back but I feel like that might be nice for your your listeners to get the real <laughs> inside scoop right? to the kinds of things that Nikki and Michelle talk about it's off true. record it's true uh but today I'm I'm excited about our topic. We are talking about multiple income streams, something that I think, uh, well, I think that's something in our industry that 
it kind of is a thing. I mean, we, we often wear many, many hats, but perhaps we don't strategically think about the how many hats can I wear and do they look good on me? I love that analogy. Right. How many hats can I wear and do they look good on me? <laughs> and the strategic part. I mean, if you are creative or you're a performer, you have multiple revenue streams. I mean, come on. So how many of us are like, oh, I'm a singer and I run a voice studio or, oh, I do gigging and then I coach or I'm a musical theater performer and I also help out at the local youth theater. You know, I direct there and then I have an acting class I do at this school over here. And then, mm -hmm. You know, like we do lots, we do lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I want to start by saying, do you think that people have too many things going on sometimes? Loaded question. I know. I didn't um, know how to put I it. I love how your hand went back just a little bit like you were going to toss me a softball <laughs> too. <laughs> we should just record these so people can like I see know, what we're actually I doing. Know. Um, you know, I, th I do. I do think that sometimes people have too many things going on. But it's not because inherently I think too many things is bad, like that a lot of things is bad rather. I think it's because what you just said five seconds ago, which was it's not strategic and it's from a place of scarcity and a place of fear rather than a place of kind of, um, what's that word? Strategy, right? Or um, a place of like intentionally seeing this is connected to my values and will get my business where I want it to go because of this, because of this, right? So being able to draw the roadmap. Um, I think a lot of people play whack-a-mole with money when they're in the arts, you know, and, you know, of course, money, some money is better than no money, but... Um, okay, I'm, I have this picture of whack-a-mole. What do you, can you define, what do you mean by people play whack-a-mole with money? I, oh, do you know that? what, have you ever seen the whack-a-mole game? I have seen the whack-a-mole game, but I'm, I'm trying to put it together. Okay, so like each little mole is like a different thing you could do, right? Like you right. could play at this gig. You could sing at the, I'm using my hands as though the podcast people see me. <laughs> um, a little mole pops up and it's like, oh, can you come and sing this song at a wedding? And you're like, yeah, pow, wedding, $200. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, can you teach my daughter how to sing Let It Go when she's six? Yeah, totally, pow, $500. You know, like you just sit there and you, whatever comes up, whatever little mm, okay, mole okay. of money comes up, you gotcha. say yes and you whack it and then you get some dollars or some cads or some pounds wherever you're listening from, whack-a-moles with the monies. <laughs> that is, okay. Whatever <laughs> monies come unto thee. I'm going to just put my hand up. That was like my entire existence right out of college and probably into my early, mid, even late 30s. Fair. And that's where I was like, had a little caveat around your question. Cause you said, do you ever think it's too much? And I'm like, I don't know your life circumstance. Right. Like if you're, if you're 20 something and like the breeze is at your back <laughs> and you are just going into, you know, into the great horizon because you've got energy and no kids, then go for it. Do what you love. And to that point, I want everyone to, you know, I gave the book recommendation last time. And if you haven't read range yet, get upon it do the thing. Um, I clapped at you. That's not rude. But um, I think it's important when we're young to kind of do a bunch of different stuff and find out what do I like and what do I hate? I would really like it if it was actually more rangy. 
Oh, okay. I would love it if people were like, yeah, I'll totally temp at this lawyer's firm for three weeks. And yeah, I'll totally like help you organize this marathon. And yeah, I'll totally sing the national anthem over here. And yeah, I'll teach them lessons. I think the broader the range, the more in the long run, kind of the smarter you're going to be, the more resources you're going to have around your business. You know, so if you're young and you're listening to this, do a lot of things and make sure that they are very disparate. And most people would give you the advice of stick to your thing, narrow, focus. And yeah, when you get a little older, you can do that, but it will find you. Your calling will find you. Take the time to do a bunch of whack-a-mole when you're young and you, again, only need two hours of sleep and have no children. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, just don't do it. But, um, and I shouldn't say no children, but like no responsibilities other than what you're doing for yourself, you know? So we'll, we'll use children as a euphemism for big responsibilities, right? Um, I think it's good. But as we get older, as we get into a place where our brains and our bodies and our pocketbooks need to be more sure and consistent, we have to be strategic about what those revenue streams are going to be how much emotional energy they're going to take, how much time, which is the one resource we can never get back, they're going to take, and what their ROI is, what their return on investment is. So whatever I'm giving this revenue stream, what is it bringing back to me in terms of my life wealth? And not, not wealth, money wealth, but like, do I love my life? Is this something that makes me love my life more? Does it pay my bills? Does it serve my personal needs? And then maybe my family's needs or my other, my big responsibilities needs? And is it going to set me up for a future that I can feel grounded in? And some people don't need that grounding, right? Like some people are free spirits and they don't really need that kind of security or grounding. So, you know, hey, play whack-a-mole until you die. I'm really no harm, glad no you, foul. <laughs> I'm really glad you brought up the the um, the point about like the ROI, return on investment and and knowing what what activities bring in what. That I think was where I set myself on fire, keeping other people warm. Because sometimes for me, it was more like I'm being, I'm glorifying being busy and celebrating how busy I was. But if had I looked at my ROI when I was a bit younger, and by, like, I agree with you, all the wonderful, crazy things I did in my 20, like 20s led me to where I am now. And, and I know that now. But I think there was like probably a good decade in there where I was just setting myself on fire and taking everything. And and there were some things that just didn't serve me and I got stuck, like really mm. stuck. Well, it's hard because nobody, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that no matter how much we, you know, we all complain about, oh, college doesn't teach this and college doesn't teach business and college doesn't teach that. Well, you know what? Guess what? Life life is going to supposed to teach you some things. It's the school of life. And one of those things that you're going to learn in the school of life is like, oh, my identity shifts over time. And that's a real thing. And navigating that is kind of tricky. Especially if our identities are really wrapped up in something that we can no longer do maybe due to life circumstance or due to injury or due to location or whatever, due to a pandemic, <laughs> you know, like there, it's hard. And I don't think, I don't think anyone, it's like, again, kind of with the parenting analogies, it's kind of like having an, another kid too, where, you know, so people can tell you, hey, it's going to change your life. 
hey, your identity is going to shift. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I know. Of course. Right. Of course. Yeah. Duh. Of course, I'm getting older. But you don't really know it until it starts to happen. And you're like, what? I did not sign up for this one. I didn't sign up for it to be like this. And nobody does, love bug. Nobody does. I just want to share. I'm going to indulge a little bit. I, I, I just want to share. Um, this past week, I had to make some really hard phone calls. I had to call all my advocational adults up. Oh, yeah. And, and I had to say goodbye. And I love them. Like, I love these. These people have been an absolute joy in my life. I consider them dearest friends. I've seen them. Music. All of my advocational adults love singing so much. Like, it's just, it brings their lives so much joy. And honestly, I think these people got me through the pandemic, along with my little kiddos. But, and it's been a long time coming because I'm like, I just don't have time. Like, I'm literally setting myself on fire and I had to, you know, and I've passed them on to a really amazing teacher and, and, and they were all understanding, but man, it's really hard. And then I had like a day of like, well, you know me, like horrible feelings, which I pushed right down, but it was like, it, it, it's, it's kind of messy work, you know, saying goodbye to things that ser like served me well for decades. My studio was little kids and these wonderful advocational older adults. And I love them to death, but not me anymore. And it's hard to say yeah. goodbye. It's really hard. I think, you know, you're, you're tapping into something. First of all, by the way, I'm super proud of you. <laughs> Why, thanks. Because, well, Nikki... <laughs> It's really hard to change. It's hard to say, this is no longer serving me. And because of that, I'm actually no longer serving it. And, and to stop something, to change, to become the next version of yourself. And I want you to feel, don't let that pass you by fast. Like, don't, don't just check off that box and move on. Celebrate that you were able to do that. Celebrate that you did a very hard thing because people don't take, they don't take the time to, to like look back and say, that was me and I loved that me. And today this is me and I love this me and tomorrow is going to be a different me and I'm going to love that me too. You know, I'm really proud of you. There are a lot of people that wouldn't do it. They would just stay in the cycle out of feelings or whatever. And that's a big deal. For the record, I have this thing in my eye right now. That's why I'm rubbing my eye. It's, it's onions. In, it's in my eye and I'm just going to rub it there. Here we go. Thank you. No, thank you. I'm being a silly, but thank you. It is hard and I'm, it took me a long time to be okay with it. Um, but, and, and there's so many things you have to take into consideration. It's like, you know, family, you know, I, finding that, that balance between family. And one of the reasons that we moved here was that we could have more balance in our life. But I kept certain channels open and I'm like, yeah, I moved here, but now there's no balance and I need to, I need to, I need to keep working on fixing this. Right. Yeah. I, I hear you. Um, that's where multiple revenue streams can like trick us. That's a good point. You know, because, one of my favorite things, I can think back before I started this business and um, was living in Silicon Valley and one of my revenue streams was directing for youth theater. I love, oh man, I miss it. If I could go 
go back to that and do that occasionally when it's time and things have opened up here. I would love to do that again. I was good at it. I loved working with that team. I loved sharing vision and being like, costumer, go, set designer, go, stage manager, go, you know, kiddos, let's go. Just my one of my favorite things to do. But man, talk about the worst return on investment in about anything. <laughs> You know, and I would say, I mean, I think any community theater performer or worker who's listening now understands what I mean. But, you know, you, you know, you do a show. It's six weeks of your life because it's a youth theater. It's not necessarily a page to stage turnaround real fast. And what you get paid like a thousand bucks if you're lucky, three thousand bucks if you're lucky for like, I don't know. Hundreds of hours of of work. You make like $3 an hour if you really want to just crank it down. But that's a, those are one of those things that are like, okay, why am I doing this? And is it still the right thing for me to do for my goals? You know, and why was I doing it was because I had those goals. I wanted to do that. I wanted to work part time. And I was very, very, very fortunate that I, my husband and I at the time had decided that I was not going to work full time. Oh, mm. you know, so I had a part time job. We had a revenue that I needed to make. I could make enough revenue in my voice studio that taking on the extra six hours a week of the directing. And then, you know, in the end, it, you know, tech week and on is, you know, way more than six hours. But, you know, I could I could float that time and it still gave us our goals. Was this before you had your kiddos? This was before and during my first. Ugh. So my first, my son, like one of the places that I uh, was very active with, I just brought him and people took care of him. Which is the other great thing about youth theaters. You get this community of other parents and they're just, they were so generous with their parenting of my children. (laughs) And I think it's because now I know, now I look back and I'm like, oh, that's because parenting the little baby of the director was like way more easier than their seven-year-olds that I was having to deal with at rehearsal. (laughs) So now we know. But um but it's you you take these things into account, right? And it was giving me such joy and so much love because I had really severe postpartum depression too. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And um, you know, it was like a thing. I was like, I have to do this as we're like, it's not gonna be okay. And he's like, Yes, you need to do this as it's not gonna be okay, you know? So that's another return on investment thing. It's like, am I doing this for my mental health? And is it giving me back? But then it did come to a time where now that I did have one child and then another one on the way, it was like, uh uh-oh, this, the numbers don't crunch. The numbers don't crunch. I like how you, you, um, and you've talked about this before on our podcasts, you know, you talk about, you know, family meetings. I think if if you're in a, in a relationship, you really have to, and you're, you know, looking at ROI and you're busy with all these things. I mean, how important is it to sit down and talk to your significant other about what you do and how you do it and how much time you're going to spend doing it. I mean, you have to, you have to, because, you know, for as much progress as we've made since the women's rights movement in sixties, we are nowhere near where we need to be in terms of the ingrained misogyny and ingrained patriarchal ideas that really inform the choices even progressive, more feminist people have. And that's not, 
an insult about what anyone believes or how they choose to live their life. That's not what I'm trying to get at here. I'm saying there are underlying currents, you know, the like when we talk about diversity, inclusion, and equity work, we talk about the water we swim in, right? Like you don't need, a fish doesn't know the water that they're in, right? Just as we don't know these kind of waters um, of our inherent biases and our um, systemically unhelpful beliefs and behaviors, right? So... There are, there's so much around kind of a patriarchal understanding and a hierarchical understanding of um, men and women in the home or even those gendered roles in same-sex relationships, people trying to make them be gendered roles because of, you know, frankly, a whole lot of propaganda that happened after World War II about the nuclear family. So that's a whole other... That's a and whole now, other podcast. on Full Voice, <laughs> we will oh have gosh. a history lesson. <laughs> Wow. Oh, I'm um, sorry. I just went <laughs> off on that. No, but I mean, that that's honestly, uh, like, uh, I mean, w I, I feel you with the whole community taking care of your child because that's, that was, that when Noah was born, I mean, I was still, I got six weeks off, six weeks off and I had to go back to teach and Sean was teaching as well. Plus he was music director at the church. And one of the ways that we made it work so that either he was home or I was home was Sundays. He took the baby to church and I could teach on Sundays and you know, granny was there, but I mean like he grew up in that church. Like he, everybody, anybody and everybody would, you know, pick him up and Sean would be playing and they would, you know, walk him around. Like, I mean, you know, we, we, that, that, that whole th time of when the baby was born and I, you know, shout out to people in our forum. There's a few posts about, you know, I'm about to have my first child and I've got a full studio and how did you guys handle it when you had to go on maternity leave? I mean, we think, we think about these multiple streams, but we also, again, going back to the conversation of who am I now and what are my time constraints, right? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, to the point where, because when I went on maternity leave, I had, of course, you know me, I created a whole thing. And it was like 16, 12 weeks of podcasts that I sent once a week to the studio along with a worksheet and like, this is what you're going to do because I didn't want to lose anybody in my studio. Well, it turns out, here's the other thing that's so funny about it is it turns out that my son had some pretty severe health issues and I did not go back after 12 weeks right? because we were in and out of the hospital. We were having some big scares. So it's like the best laid plans even, right? Um, things change things. But to that end, I'm still, because I did that, I've worked with several uh, moms. I do kind of like this one, this pre-pregnant, you know, you're pregnant, what are you going to do? It's like a four-hour appointment. If you're interested in that, reach out to me directly because it's not available on, to book on my site. But we sit down and we're like, okay, what are you going to do to ramp up for your maternity leave? What are you going to do during your maternity leave? And then how are you going to ease back in? And we like create that whole thing. But that's one of the reasons why I started to do that was because I had experienced it in my that fear in my own pregnancy of like, what am I going to do? Am I going to just stop and then they're going to go find other teachers? Am I going to come back? Like, do I, you know, what do I do? And I think it's important that we think about those things. And the reason why it was so important for me to think about that, though, was because I did not really truly have multiple revenue streams. And this is one of the reasons, you know, just to bring it to our topic, is why I am a um, fierce advocate for multiple revenue streams, even if it's inside, just inside your studio in terms of the way you deliver offers. So 
I don't think that necessarily everyone's cut out to have a voice studio and then a performing career and then a recording career and then a business coaching business. And then, you know, I don't necessarily mean that. But even if you can create three tiers of service or three uh, ways that you deliver what you do, then you can kind of pull levers on those things based on the time commitments that you have, the capacity needs that you need to meet in terms of your mental health and your emotional health and your revenue. Can you, I, I love what you just said there. And I'm sure I, I'm visualizing my listeners kind of perking up when you said those things. Could you give people an example of the three different ways you could deliver your services to someone just to get people thinking that because I agree with you. Most people think a different revenue thing is like I perform and then I also teach and then I, you know, work part time at Starbucks, right? Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I would love which to Which is do that. totally a way to do it. Yeah. But when, I, but I want I want you to be specific about how oh yeah there's different ways that you can yeah, deliver. And this is what we teach in the How to Run Your Voice Biz Without Hating Your Boss Accelerator program is we we first look if you know when we do the application process we say what does your business currently look like and before we start adding like external revenue streams in terms of like making another business or something like that we want that person to be really comfortable with multiple revenue streams inside their own business and thinking that way so one of the ways that just like one person that just graduated in last today is the last day um one of the ways is like you can do drop-ins which is like one-off lessons. And then you can do small packages. So people buying like a punch card or a three months, or maybe it's a package that's a goal-specific package, like a value-based package around like getting ready for an audition or honing in on one role that you got cast in or learning a particular um, song or a skill set. So maybe like, you know, you know, get ready for your wedding to sing your partner a thing or whatever, birthday songs. And then maybe you have a long tuition package as well which is more like your recurring revenue. So we try to look at it as like, what can what revenue stream can be kind of a recurring revenue stream so that you can trust that it's there? And then what other revenue streams can you sell a different amount of pretty regularly, but isn't necessarily committed revenue? And then what things can you always pull the lever if you need a cash influx? You know, and so... That's kind of where we start with the multiple revenue streams. So it would be like in my voice studio, you can do drop-ins. It's at one price point. You pay to book, use it or lose it. Here it is. Um, packages, you can buy 10 at a time and I'll see you 10 times over the next five months or two months or whatever months you want. And then, okay, you're on a monthly retainer. You pay this and you're committed for a year. You know, the other reason why I love multiple revenue streams within the one business is because I really, really feel that a lot of people miss out on serving people that would otherwise fall in their ideal client avatar, but because they don't have the right container for them to experience what, how to work with the person. So, you know, I know, I know that this is, if anybody who's been listening to me for a long time, then you'll know that in the past, I and I still believe this, is like, if your people aren't paying your prices, then they're not your ideal client. So I want to just acknowledge that I've said that and that this is a little bit different. Sometimes your ideal client can't afford the one top tier premium thing that you're offering, but they can afford a, a different level of service for the, for the appropriate 
price point for that level of service. And I think what happens is people get a little bit confused with revenue streams and they think, well, you know, this revenue stream is the most expensive one and this revenue stream is the cheapest one. And therefore people will always want the cheapest one. And it's like, no, 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 no. That if you create your offers that way, you're not actually going to make any money because you'll only be selling the cheap. You'll be intentionally trying to only sell the cheapest thing. And that's not the point of multiple revenue streams. The point of multiple revenue streams is that you're selling all the things at a certain amount in order to get a big pot of money that you can distribute throughout your business. We talk a lot about on the podcast and with my teacher training, we talk about like the small group classes. Sure. And there's tons of teachers looking into the small group classes and, or, and, but how quickly people want to turn the small group classes into not small groups. And then it totally changes the dynamic and it brings in students that it's not, it doesn't really work with like a curriculum that you might want to use. Like it just, it doesn't take much for it to, to do go dark. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But I think, I mean, I think this is the danger of, you know, and this is for any person, any music studio person listening is this is the danger when you're only motivated by money, when you have to only be motivated by money because you're not making enough money, which mm. is where we get the whack-a-mole, <laughs> right? you know? So I think what happens is people say, oh, well, if I do a small group class and, you know, that's selling really well, I could just make it bigger and then I could make more money. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's back up a little bit and let's look at all of the parameters. Because the moment you add more people to that class, you're adding more administrative time. You're adding more materials. You're adding more shenanigans with parents. I'm just, I'm no, serious. You're, like yeah, it's just you're more, with more families, communication yep. and all of this. And you're adding, you're changing the dynamic. You're, you're inherently selling a different product because there's a difference between four people in a room and 10 people in a room and 20 people in a room. So now you have to market the product differently. So now you got to go back onto all your marketing and change the way you're marketing it. So are you really making more money? Because yeah, you have more cash, but look at all the time you just spent completely changing your offer and doing more work on the back end. So... You know, at some point, I think this is, again, why it's really important to look at the return on investment in terms of like dollars for hours. If you're running a service-based business, that really is dollars for hours. You know, we don't want to sell our time, but in terms of how we're marketing and, and, and packaging things. But at the end of the day, we're selling our time in terms of how much money we can make over 168 hours in a week. You can't make more time. So, but yeah, I think small group classes are a great way. I, I like small group classes because I think they, they feed a lot of birds with one seed in addition to revenue. You know, like if you can get three or four kids together and you're teaching them solfege, for example, or you're, you know, like the let's play music and the music together type things. Oh man, those are, I, you know, I have my opinions about which ones I like better personally, but like those kinds of group music theory explorations are fantastic. What a great idea. Please, that's a good return on investment, getting certified in something like that because they... If, if you want to do that sort of thing, because they get you, you know, you're essentially like a little franchise, right? You get all the materials, they teach you how to market, they help you with your setup. And so there's a lot of administrative work that you're not really having to do um, with those programs. Um, but if you want to create your own four or five person small group, you can use the full voice curriculum. I know, I know a lot of teachers that use your stuff to do mm -hmm. small group classes, which I think is fantastic, mm -hmm. you know, and... Um, 
I think there's so many ways that you can do it, but you've got to know the difference between like a small group and like a, a mini choir. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and you don't, don't do it the hard way. Like I did, like I was, my first class was small. It was like three and I loved it. And the kids got along and we rocked and they, it was such an amazing class. And I got, I got cocky and I got greedy. I'm like, well, if I can do three, you know, I, I wanted to cap it at five, but then somebody invited a friend and then somebody else snuck in another kid and seven was madness. And I was so upset <sighs> and I, I had to bring in my, my assistant who has like years of, of, uh, classroom teaching experience who thought it was just ridiculous that I couldn't manage seven when she's used to having 26. Right. I mean, hats right. off to the classroom teachers there. Right. And that, at, to that end, uh, someone with a classroom experience probably shouldn't try to start with like a three person situation. True. It's totally different type of teaching. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different type of, and that's why you have to know yourself and know what your offers can be. Right. Which is why we take the time to figure out like, what are you actually good at? What do you enjoy doing? Where are all of your previous experiences, like we were talking about the range earlier, you know, where all of your previous experiences kind of influencing what you bring to the table, you know, and then let's create an offer around that. Um, I think, I think it's hard in our field because it is historically so underfunded and there is so much scarcity and there's so much misinformation around money and budgets and all of this kind of thing that it's it's just very easy to get stuck in oh i can make a ton of money if i just i don't know make an online course <laughs> or oh i can you know like it's sexy every it's like those old commercials from like at 1am you know <laughs> make a million dollars in 5 seconds with my proven method but i know. i wanted to ask you so when you're working with your clients and you're discovering, um, you know, what multiple s streams, what kind of act, like without giving away everything, what kind of activities do you make them go through to kind of help them narrow down what might be a good fit? Well, first I, we do like an informational class and just ask a bunch of information, but I have a ton of workbooks. Mm, okay. So I ask a lot of questions. We do some exercise. There's one exercise I really like where um, you look over your entire life and you write down every job you've ever had from like picking up poop on Saturdays for the neighbor when you were seven <laughs> to like, you know, to today. And then we find the through lines. What did you love about it? What did you hate about it? What good did it bring to the world? How much money did you make off it? Um, would you do it again? If so, why? If not, why? Wow. And so we start asking those deep, hard questions because I think people don't realize that they can think outside the box, right? They don't realize that, oh, I could apply these things. Um, we had one graduate who out of this process of like doing exercises like this and, you know, just some prodding questions and coaching realized, oh, I really have a passion for kind of a space for kids that is free of some of the less, I know this is a loaded word I'm about to use, so forgive me, but like um, like an innocent space for kids, you know, a, a space that it didn't have as much of the kind of input that maybe not everybody is uncomfortable with. Um, and she thought, oh, I'm really good at this church community that I work at. I'm, I have really strong connections to, you know, my faith journey. And then I have strong connections to kids and music. What if I did like a creative... I don't want to give the name of it on the thing because it's proprietary still. But, you know, she created this thing that's like this place where kids can explore 
with a level of um, sheltering, I guess, from things that might make people might kids don't need to see on the YouTubes or whatever, right? And that's not going to be a good fit for everybody, but it's going to be a really good fit for the people it's a really good fit for. And it's, a, and it's an extension of her own core values and an extension of what she's good at and an extension of what she cares about. Hmm. You know, so it's like, oh, I'm not going to, I might not send my kid there, but someone is going to send their kid there, you know? And those are the kinds of things that were like, what is unique about you? Because that is the thing that people will buy because they're probably looking for something just like that. I, I want to encourage my listeners. Um, I, I know it's hard for you to be not biased about this, but how successful are people at discovering these strengths without some guidance, without a coach, without a group of people cheering them on? Do you, do you think... Is that a fair question to ask a coach? <laughs> well, I know it's totally self-serving. You must have a coach. No, um, I, I don't feel that, but... No, yeah, you know, I will say this from my own experiences. Um, it happens a whole hell of a lot faster when you have people there to reflect back to you what they're seeing and to help draw answers out of you. Can it be done DIY? Sure, do I think people who are serious about changing what their life looks like and, and changing their business or starting a new business should DIY it for more than a couple years? Absolutely not. I think that that's very dumb. And I'm going to say why. Because I don't want anyone to call you and be like, Nikki, she called me dumb. <laughs> um, I'm saying the amount of time and money you will spend after two years of trying to figure it out on your own. Two years I'll give you because I think it's important to kind of like crunch through it, right? Start toilet paper plan, Mike McCallowitz, right? Like start small, crunch through it, dig around, see what you can do on your own. But after two years, man, you are, you are literally spending more time and more money than you would if you would just hire someone to help you figure it out. Mm. Now, I have personal reasons why I think I mean, there's a reason why How to Run is a group program. There's a reason why Seco is a community membership. There's a reason why most of the things that I offer are in groups. And believe it or not, it's not because of more money. It's because of the data and the science around when people come together in a group with shared uh, passion toward working toward a goal, it gets done faster. James Clear talks about this in Atomic Habits. If you want to change a habit, if you want, Duhigg talks about this, BJ Fogg talks about this. If you want to change the way you live, if you want to add new habits and take away old habits, you get with people who are doing the same kind of habit building and it will happen exponentially faster than if you do it on your own. Now, I know that in our field, it's a little bit of a badge of honor to be a lone wolf. <laughs> Because we had to be for so long. Oh, gosh. My first decade of teaching, I was so alone. So alone. Yes. Me too. Mm. Me too. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I started Speakeasy, right? Because I was yeah. like, I cannot be the only person that feels this way about this. I can't be the... There's no way I can be the only person who gives a crap about business. There's no way. And so... And I found that that is true. I, there it is. I am not the only person, <laughs> right? So it's... um, I just... And of course, that is self-serving, right? Because, hi, I'm selling a program right now. 
But hey, man, even even in my program, go mm. get yourself some help. There yeah. are plenty of people out there now. Since I started speaking, five, it's a five-year anniversary in March. Since I started Speakeasy, there are like tons of coaches in this field that have popped up. Tons. You know, so there's somebody out there for you. Mm. I would love it to, for me for it to be me. <laughs> but if, you know, if you can't stand the sound of my face or the sound of my voice, I understand there are other people. Whatever. I think, <laughs> no, I... I, I really appreciate your honesty there. And, and again, I, I will, and I have said to many of my colleagues, you know, like this, the growth and the changes were so much easier having someone behind you, you know, telling you it's hard, but it's going to be okay. And here's options and seeing things from, you know, and, and the hard truths, you know, the, mm. this is, this is what you think. It's like that. It's like that scene. This is what you think think those no not the scene the memes right this is what i think i look like but this is those things <laughs> right, right right this is what like my mom thinks i do this yeah. is what the world thinks i do but this is what i really do yeah. totally yeah to that point i think um you know sarah sarah campbell who was just on your thing and she's on the team she's on the on my team and Kristen and i were talking and doing a facebook and so to your point, kind of of like colleagues about like moving it faster and all of this is we were talking about how many people in our field run their businesses based on the way that other people run their businesses. So like the, you know, I call it the succession of saints, right? Where it's like, well, I'm going to run my voice studio the way that my voice teacher ran their voice studio, who ran it the way there. And this is a, this is a really important thing that we address because the economy is not the same. I mean, you could get away with it 15 years ago running your business the way that your voice teacher ran it. Um, but man, you can't do that anymore. And you know, you want to know the biggest industry, which is an industry that I'm helping a lot in right now, is multi-teacher studios. It is a very different ballgame than it was in the 80s. And, you know, the laws around classification of workers, the laws around um, just, you, it is not the same. And you can't, um, you can't start a multi-teacher studio the same way that you could even five years ago. And so I'm working with a lot of multi-teacher studio owners right now. We're actually developing a special program for them inside the Speakeasy Cooperative. We, are, we have a ton of multi-teacher studios, but just even more focused to help kind of get over this hump of this is what the business model is. This is what the pricing needs to be. This is what the payments need to be to your workers. And should your workers be employees or contractors? Why or why not? And really helping people kind of get out of this, oh, I'll just add another teacher and make more money mentality because it just will, it just, it's not sustainable. It's not a sustainable business model. And that's a whole other podcast that we could do. But it's to, it's to your point about like sometimes like with a business model, like a multi-teacher studio, you DIY it for too long and you're literally shutting down your business and starting over again. It's not, it's, you know, I, I like to use the analogy when you're one person, it's like a jet ski, you know, you're riding your jet ski. You need to make a change. You just turn that jet ski. You make, make a change, turn that jet ski. But like, as soon as you start adding team members, adding people, that thing becomes a cruise ship real fast. It takes three days cruise to ships dock do those. not turn on a dime the way a jet ski does. <laughs> that is a great analogy. Um, I want to thank you so much, uh, Michelle. You've been on our podcast. You're you're our business and and um, you're a business expert, and you're also in our industry running a studio. And I I cannot thank you enough. Um, personally, you've helped me in my businesses, and also I I know so many of my listeners are are really 
getting something valuable. And I want to encourage those of you listening who are ready to be brave and do some messy work, but have an amazing team of people cheering you on. I want you to reach out. Where can people find and follow you? Yeah. So come on over. First of all, just come to our website, thespeakeasycooperative.com. You can find us on Facebook at because Facebook is silly the way they do pages. Faith Culture Kiss Studio for Acting, colon, home of the Speakeasy Cooperative. (laughs) On Instagram, we are the Speakeasy Cooperative. And um, we are in the middle of taking applications for the 2022-2023 cohort of how to run your voice biz without hating your boss accelerator. It is a big fancy program. It is an investment of brains and emotions and time and money. But we've got a couple more slots left and we want you in it. If you feel scared, fill out the application. In order to get to that page, you can go to the website and then go to the services and then it's in there. Can or you give I me can the, give direct you the link, link for yeah. show notes. Okay. Michelle's going to give me the direct link so you don't have to go searching for it if you are interested in uh, learning more and doing scary but awesome things. Michelle, I can't thank you enough. And of course, we will have you back. Uh, I already, every time I talk to you, I have like 30 more topics that pop into my mind. So (coughs) quick, write them down before we both forget. I'm going to end this interview and then I am going to talk to you about those. Um, So uh, please check the show notes. Michelle, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, everyone. A very special thank you to Michelle. Please check the show notes for direct links to Michelle, to the Speakeasy Cooperative, and to sign up for the How to Run Your Business Without Hating Your Boss program. Can't recommend that enough. I also want to remind everybody that registration for the in-person Oh, friends, I'm so excited. The in-person national convention for the National Association of Teachers of Singing in Chicago in July is now open. Please visit nats.org, N-A-T-S dot org. The lineup is incredible. There's going to be so many amazing presenters and performers. And yes, friends, how nice is it going to be to actually sit in the same room with our friends and colleagues and just absorb all of the learning. I'm so excited. And if you are going to be there, you better come up and say hello to me. I'm going to be at the Full Voice booth in the hall. Um, And I'm also presenting with Dr. Ginevra Williams and Dana Lentini. I cannot be more excited. So registration is now open. I do hope to see you at the convention. My friend and colleague from beautiful Hemford Forest, Nova Scotia. I am wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing.